yeah, it was a bit more. I was a bit more isolated lately with the whole traveling to the Delta thing. Also have uh, had some stuff to take care of here with paperwork and stuff. Which... Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I thought that we'd turn the video recorder on to talk about the Mahasi system mm -hmm. because generally when I talk to someone, I'm talking to someone that doesn't have very much experience or that they've only seen it from the Mahasi method mm -hmm. without getting a, a larger viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And and since you've been doing Anapanasati for quite a while now mm -hmm. and, and visiting with the Mahasi, I thought that we'd take a different perspective and look at it like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that you have um, also offered the 16 steps of insight. Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's use that as kind of the basis for what to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that is uh, interesting to note is, is that the 16 stages of insight by the Westerner begins to believe that that's the whole path. <laughs> to where actually, no, upon investigation and understanding, the 16 stages of insight are merely only part of the path of Sotapan, or at very best, the full path of Sotapan. Okay. Okay, so let's make sure that we understand that the Vipassana, as the insights go, are really uh, the, the end of the Anapanasati Sutta mm -hmm. has the quality of knowledge and deliverance, mm -hmm. a two-step process, knowledge and deliverance. That knowledge and deliverance mm -hmm. is not only at the end of Anapanasati Sutta, but it's also at the end of the uh, uh, the Great Forty, in the uh, okay. talking about the Eightfold Noble Path, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. the Eightfold Path becomes actually a tenfold path, <laughs> and the two extra ingredients are the actual fulfillment of the path, which mm -hmm. is knowledge and vision, and deliverance mm -hmm. those two qualities so if you look at it from that perspective then Mahasi's insight method mm -hmm. insight is all about knowledge not mm -hmm. deliverance and so that's a key ingredient right there to say okay well wait a minute this mm -hmm. is not about deliverance this is about insight into mm -hmm. all right the next point that needs to be looked at is that they generally see uh, uh, these nanas is in a stepwise order mm -hmm. that you do the first and then you do the second mm -hmm. and then you do the third. This is where we get into that business of organization. Uh -huh. <laughs> but if we look at the 16 uh, stages of insight, or let us just say instead of stages, we don't even use the word step. We just would use the word perhaps aggregates mm -hmm. or items. Okay. 16 items of insight. Mm -hmm. If we look at it that way, then we recognize we'll made it with, we don't have to necessarily follow that in order. Mm -hmm. An example of that is generally in school, we teach reading but before we teach reading, we have to teach uh, alphabet and phonics mm -hmm. and, and reading with simple words. And then the student learns to read. But after that, they still are, are giving graded things to read up in uh, more difficult things. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. with mathematics, first you learn the numbers. <laughs> then, you, then you learn ordinal and cardinal and the difference between values and order and things like that. And then you learn about addition and subtraction and going in that way. Mm -hmm. But it is quite possible for a kindergartner without any mathematics can still learn the concepts of calculus. Mm -hmm. Of being able to slice things up. You can see slices of bread, and you can recognize that this slice of bread is only part of the loaf, that you have to have all the slices of the loaf before you've got the loaf of bread. And so in that regard, 
even the Western education system doesn't have to be taught the way that it is. But they generally do it in, in some sort of order because of the books that are read and all this kind mm -hmm. of history and everything like that. So when you get to this particular grade at this particular school, you mm -hmm. study these particular topics. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the same. One of the clear examples of that for me was uh, Latin. Okay. That in South Carolina in those days, everyone was required to do two years of Latin. Oh, okay. And so in one school, I do two years of Latin, and then we moved to another school. But in that new school, they did their Latin in the junior and senior year, not in the first two years. So guess what? I got four years of Latin. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because that's the way the school taught it. Mm -hmm. It was organized like that. Mm -hmm. When you recognize, wait a minute, uh, really good schooling would have to do with letting the student learn what they're curious about, interested in, and capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And that we can introduce new literature to them, but let them go and find something to do. And that would be much more of a natural learning sense, uh, situation. They actually have schools set up in the U.S. for that, Montessori schools. Okay. But they're very rare. Yeah, most <laughs> of them they want to put the kids through this educational system. Pink Floyd even wrote songs about it. <laughs> yeah, another brick in the wall. Now we don't need <laughs> your education, just another brick in the wall, right? Okay, so that's the organized method, and mm -hmm. the Mahasi system is normally thought of in that way. Mm -hmm. But you can immediately start to see holes in that. Mm -hmm. An example is, is that generally the Four Noble Truths are introduced quite early. That's the major teaching of the Buddha. Mm -hmm. But in the Mahasi system is listed to step 12. Okay, I was trying to figure out what it was. It was, uh, I forgot what it was called. It was conformity. I forgot what 12 was, but... Eight. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go for another one, and that is step 16. Okay. Step 16 of the 16 stages is ongoing evaluation mm -hmm. to see what defilements there are left. That's another indication, by the way, that this is not full path. This is only sotapan. Mm -hmm. Because with the full path, they would have noticed those defilements somewhere down in that list of 16. <laughs> but step 16 says, no, there's still the ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. And then I say, wait a minute, teacher, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the first thing I did. If mm -hmm. I had not done some ongoing investigation, I'd have never called you. Mm -hmm. So it's not just step 16, it's actually step one, too. <laughs> And when we recognize that, wait a minute, this is much, much more complicated if we try to keep it organized. Oh, yeah. I think <clears> I heard uh, uh, Daniel Ingram talking about it. He said it was like a fractal. So he talked about cycling to the steps again, again at a more subtle level. It has like a fractal nature. Even if you zoom out or zoom in, it keeps repeating. Or Exactly so. So I'm just taking, I'm saying that same thing. I'm just taking a different perspective of mm -hmm. it. Um, <clears throat> but it's also looking at it much more from instead of a time frame, it's mm -hmm. this present moment. What's happening in this present moment? Mm -hmm. Perhaps one of the 16 on that list is <laughs> happening in this present moment. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps the next uh, moment, one of the other items on that list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Well, uh, People generally want to consider a oh, block of time and this, another block of time and this. But yeah, it can be each moment skipping between these or different aspects of them or combinations of them. Ah, yes. And so that's the danger from the Western mind that wants to keep everything organized. To where, in fact, the Buddha actually talks about it in the sense of adventitious defilements. And what we mean by okay. adventitious defilements is, is that they will take an advantage or an opportunity to arise. Ah, okay. 
Okay, the Dupamas do not come up in order according to the Mahasi traditions list. Mm-hmm. That they come up whenever they have the opportunity to come up. It's so interesting because I was looking at another teacher. Uh, so he's Chinese and he's ordained in the Mahasi lineage. But he takes the same approach of eliminating the defilements and noticing them all the time instead of the classic Mahasi thing. So he should be a bit uh, he, iconoclastic to say. And he had a collection of talks and it was called Don't Look Down on the Defilements, They Will Laugh at You. <laughs> he said, don't look down on defilements, look out for them. He had the same thing. They can appear in any moment disguised and you should be careful all the time for the defilements. Precisely so. Exactly. And that's, in fact, what he's doing there is he's giving a general statement mm-hmm. about the practice. But he's actually specifying the line item number 16. Mm-hmm. That's it. <clears throat> is to be aware of these departments because they'll come at any time. Mm-hmm. Ongoing investigation mm-hmm. for the departments. Well, you see, someone who's not on the path of the Dharma doesn't even know about this. Mm-hmm. That's what okay. makes the difference is, mm-hmm. is that the oh, okay. is the one who is dedicated to watching these ongoing defilements as they arise. Mm-hmm. That we become on guard for dukkha so that we can throw it out immediately and go into dukkha naroda. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Westerners have the idea with the Mahasi method that means, oh, that if I see the defilement, I've got to, I've got to um, investigate it. I've got to sit down beside it. I've got to let it overwhelm me. I've got to make love to it or actually let it screw me over. <laughs> but that's not the way that the Buddha teaches. Rather, the teaching is, is to see that defilement as a defilement so we can avoid it immediately mm-hmm. and stay out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the dangers that we have if we get too deep into it, then um, things can go downhill. In fact, if you look at mm-hmm. step eight of that path, that's uh, where the Westerner will look at it and start applying words like the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. All right. But in fact, the dark night of the soul is not a part of the Buddha's teaching. Mm-hmm. That's a Christian teaching. And it is a very particular te- Christian teaching with a very particular item to it that we need to investigate so that we can see what's really going on here. You see, within the Christian method, the first thing about being a Christian is is that you can't fix yourself. You've got to go get help mm-hmm. from a deity, a deva, a Jesus, something. <laughs> And then you're taught to pray, to ask for this help. And after you've prayed and asked help for long enough and you don't get no help and things are going downhill instead of up here, where's my magic Jesus? (laughs) Where's my magic Jesus? And they start going through that. Why? Because without my magic Jesus, I'm lost Mm -hmm. completely. I need that magic Jesus. Where's my magic Jesus? Where's my magic Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is what we really call despair Mm -hmm. the word despair means at the end of the rope or at the end of the tether when you have tried all options and there is nothing left Mm -hmm. my god why hast thou forsaken Mm -hmm. me that's the dark night of the soul now, the problem with that is, within Christianity, is, is that the one who is in this dark night of the soul can't go to their abbot or to, or to their teacher and explain the situation okay. and get good advice. Mm-hmm. The good advice is, oh, so Jesus is not going to fix you, huh? <laughs> How long did it take you to figure that out? When are you going to figure out you're going to have to fix yourself because Jesus is not going to do it for you? That's the news, boy. 
Mm. However, you can use the teachings of Jesus to fix your own problems, but you can't get him to do it for you. But they don't tell him that. Mm-hmm. That's not what the priest does. In fact, mm-hmm. most likely the priest is going to uh, reveal his own dark night of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> But a good Buddhist teacher would, would uh, if someone got into that state, would say, look at what you're doing. What do you really want after all? And who do you think you're going to get it from? You know, start to investigate this thing. But now let's introduce another word that does have a value, not despair, but rather disgust. Uh-huh. <laughs> because disgust is what they're really talking about in that sutta mm-hmm. or in that in that group, that place where we get when we are thoroughly disgusted with the world and our own attachment to it. Mm-hmm. It's not that we just see the world disgusting, but that we see that our mm-hmm. involvement with it is also disgusting and mm-hmm. that the only way to get away from the disgusting world is to stop disgusting with it and and okay. withdraw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You had a question. No, I reminded myself there was like a, a word which I think uh, I also heard from Tanisara Biku was Samwega, like a sense of wanting to be delivered by uh, wanting to relinquish your worldly attachments. But I forgot what it meant. It was, yes, yeah, Samwega or I don't know if it's related to the discussion. We want, want someone to take it away from us, or we okay. want it to die out or extinguish all by itself. Mm-hmm. It's like we want our own trash to be taken out mm-hmm. <laughs> without us having to do anything. <laughs> and it don't go out by itself. And so it becomes disgusting. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when we recognize through not just uh disgust but despair is is that oh no i'm going to now have to put up with this trash this garbage this uh food waste that's in the kitchen (laughs) and it starts to stink been stinking for a long time and so i'm disgusted with it but i'm also in a state of despair because i can't get rid of it Mm -hmm. well now that's not the teaching of the buddha at all Mm -hmm. but rather to use this feeling of disgust in the sense, wow, I've got to get rid of this stuff. This mm-hmm. is disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not me. This is not who I who I am. And when we begin to see our own dukkha and our involvement with it, then we do become a bit disgusted with our own behavior. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why the Buddha says, hey, man, wait a minute. Let's begin to stay out of the past. Because every time you go into the past, you're going to find something to be just come disgusted. <laughs> <of. Yeah. laughs> Let's not dwell in disgust. Mm-hmm. Let's use it as a, uh, a marvelous tool to get mm-hmm. out of disgusting situations. Mm-hmm. That we begin to see it as dukkha. Uh-huh. So that we can avoid it. But we do need to come to that point of disgust, and that's what they're they're talking about there. But in the case that we're talking about, we're not talking about someone becoming extraordinarily disgusted for a long period of time in Mm -hmm. order to fulfill this step eight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, from time to time, though, you will feel disgusted with something, and you'll say, out of here. And mm-hmm. it comes up again, maybe an old memory. Ah, out of here. Okay. <laughs> you become disgusted with that stuff and want to throw it out. Mm-hmm. That's the right way of practice. But, uh, but that knowledge that things are disgusting. Mm-hmm. But it's not a dark night of the soul because, number one, no soul. <laughs> number two, night not dark. <laughs> Only the mind is dark. but there's also a way of thinking about that that dark night of the soul has something to do on another level and that is is that when the students begin to understand that everything is in flux everything is changing Mm -hmm. that even the human's personality is not fixed 
it mm-hmm. also changes. We have the appearance that it's the same, but in fact, it's made major differences. We think of me as me when I was six <laughs> years old, but in fact, I'm nothing like when I was six years old, believe me. <laughs> I don't have any photos, but you can take my word for it. I'm not the same as I was when I was six years old. And yet somehow or another, inside of our own minds, we tend to think that there was a continuity there. No, there's not a continuity. What there is in this present moment is old memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think we're stuck too much on just the conceptual layer, and uh, we confuse our concepts for the reality of it, for what we have in front of us, and thus have the story of continuity. Mm-hmm. We have the illusion of continuity, where in fact it's much more like an on-off, very mm-hmm. much like a, a strobe. You know a stroboscope? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and they have them in discos in the form of a, mm-hmm. uh, a ball full of mirrors, and then they shine a light on it, and then the stroboscope is just all over the a kaleidoscope mm-hmm. kind of effect. Okay. Now, here's the point. Our whole life is like a kaleidoscope, but we didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So that when the light is on, we can see, and when the light is off, we can't see, but we don't know that we can't see because we can't see that. <laughs> and the light comes back on and we can see it. And so things are on, off, on, off, on, off, and we think it's a continuous movie, not inside the mind. Oh, no, we're, we take snapshots, a little piece of this and a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. And then there's time when we have downtime, which would we could also call processing time. Mm-hmm. So we see something, we try to figure out what it is, and then we decide what it is, and then we have a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. While we're doing all of that, we're not watching anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the Mahasi method, they know about this and talk about that in the sense of, can you actually be mindful up to the rate of about 10 times a second? Mm-hmm. Can you just keep staying here and staying here and staying uh-huh. here and not wander off? The answer is sure you can. It takes a little practice. But you can actually begin to stay here and watch what's going on as it as it arises and passes away, mm-hmm. which is actually one of the nanas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fourth, I think, arising and passing away. Okay. Right, and here you are, and you're watching what's going on, and whoop, there it went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was a thought. Now it's gone. Mm-hmm. Everything arises and passes away, and so all of those things on that list all have value. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's applied, okay, it's mm-hmm. extremely difficult to either understand or to put in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think they have this perspective. If you have the the clear vision, that uh, naturally your behavior will kind of autocorrect without needing to interfere. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's true, and I think it's mostly reactionary. I think they're. There are cases when people, when they see a defilement, they have a reaction, a bad reaction to defilement, which in itself is a defilement, and Mm -hmm. they get identified with that. So I think as a reaction, the Mahasi people kind of took a more laid-back approach, but I think it's too laid-back as to... Okay, let's call that laid-backness then, the issue of, yes, I see the dukkha, but I'm not going to take the effort Mm-hmm. that it's going to take to take it out. It's almost mm-hmm. like going into the kitchen, you see that big pile of garbage, and you recognize, yeah, this direction needs to be taken out. But not mm-hmm. right now. I'll go home and or go away and come back, and maybe somebody else will take it out. Mm-hmm. That's the concept. <clears throat> and so what happens is, is that even though mindfulness comes, it doesn't come strong. It's not really strong mindfulness. It's only a little bit of mindfulness. They do wake up, but they don't wake up enough to make a major change. And that's what the Buddha's teaching is really about, is to make a great big change every time we can think of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is that great big change? Is to stop whatever we were thinking about, Mm -hmm. examine it for a little bit to recognize what it is, only a little bit, and then throw it out, and then become satisfied that I'm free of it. Mm-hmm. 
And this is often missed in the Mahasi method of that quality of gladdening the mind. Aha, I see you, Mara. And then the actual right effort of throwing it out. Mm-hmm. As well as not emphasizing enough that rising and falling actually means deep breathing. <laughs> to actually get a good rising and falling going there. Mm-hmm. And so once we put these extra things in there, then the Mahasi system makes perfect sense. <laughs> and it is, in fact, Anapanasati, like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, I was about to say the same thing. The practices look very similar. Maybe the point where you focus on it first is different, and uh, they don't focus too much on cultivating the joy and pleasure, but in general, the sequence is about the same. You get a bit of stability of attention, then you start to investigate everything, and it's... But they are missing that quality of uh, joy, mm-hmm. because without it, the students in the Mahasi are not going to reach the very jhanas that they secretly discuss and talk about and hope and think about, and they never get them (laughs) because they're not practicing the basics Mm -hmm. correctly to bring about that first jhana. Okay, so in that regard, in the Anapanasati Sutta, the actual factors of first jhana are listed right there Mm -hmm. in the Anapanasati Sutta. Mm -hmm. Gladdening bringing about sukha, bringing about pity, mm-hmm. um, uh, bringing it up and um, uh, developing it as a skill, relaxing the body, mm-hmm. and becoming alert. All of that stuff is built right into the Anapanasati Sutta. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that's making it most important uh, distinction then between the Mahasi and the Buddha's Anapanasati is what do you do at that point in time when you do wake up? The, the Mahasi mm-hmm. system talks it, calls it noting. Mm-hmm. And there are two kinds of noting. And the way to talk about it is using the word um, witness mm-hmm. because Two different ways of using the word witness. Mm-hmm. One is the guy who saw what happened. He saw the accident. He saw the scene of the crime. He was there. He witnessed it. He was mm-hmm. watching. He could see it. And then the other kind of witness, perhaps the same guy at a later time, is standing on the witness stand telling a story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can actually do using the word witness or the, you use the word noting we can see that noting is two different kinds. Mm -hmm. One noting is to merely see it. Mm -hmm. And then the other kind of noting is telling a story about it Mm -hmm. or labeling it Mm -hmm. or staying on it. While we're staying on it and labeling it and thinking about it and rehashing it and perhaps investigating it over and over again, we're missing what's happening in this present moment. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, again, it's just to, I think it's mostly to get people started. I think if you want to go to a high level of vipassana or clear seeing, as they say, yeah, you kind of have to be with each sensation as it, as it comes. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, labeling is just another action. You can be aware of the labeling and something else happens while you label. And I think it's just, uh, so the guy I was talking to right now, he said that, that, that it's the labeling is kind of a mantra. And you just said it. Because it keeps you mindful, it keeps you doing the process and be paying attention. Uh, that's kind of the point of it. But yeah, I think that after a certain point, you kind of have to let it go because it's mm-hmm. cutting off from your bandwidth. All right. So uh, looking at it from um, this perspective, that what happens with the Mahasi if they're teaching only the organized method, mm-hmm. then it may be possible for only a few students to get the higher teachings. Mm-hmm. It's also possible for those who get the higher teachings and have the higher teachings now no longer stay around, <laughs> and so they leave. But the students who hang around the teacher 
on the <laughs> ones who haven't gotten the higher <laughs> because they're not ready for it. And then the teacher dies. <laughs> and they become the new teacher. <laughs> and all of the students that are left that own the building, own the name, mm -hmm. own the corpse, own everything, while the guys who really got <laughs> it, they don't care if they're off in the woods someplace. <laughs> and so that's how organizations who get started by a master winds up being uh, constrained mm -hmm. because they didn't get all of the teachings from the master. And that's one of the things that's clear about what happened with Mahasi. Mm -hmm. That when Upandita came by, he okay. took over because he was there and available and probably the best thing around to take over. Mm -hmm. The better thing to have done is to not take over anything, just let it all die out. Who needs the word Mahasi anywhere anyway? He's just another Burmese teacher. <laughs> The problem is, is that he became famous mm -hmm. and became very much known in the West with an incomplete teaching. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff that's actually missing in the Mahasi mm -hmm. that would naturally already be included in a natural system mm -hmm. because all of it would have been more or less readily available uh, as the student was ready to hear it at mm -hmm. least on an intellectual level and the conceptual level. Mm -hmm. And also, once the student can reach first jhana, which is basically nothing more than when the mind is really fit for work, and from mm -hmm. time to time it really is, but generally when people sit down to do meditation, that's not what they do. They don't get the mind in really good shape, fit for work. They go mm -hmm. in and do meditation and they go deep and they stop breathing well and uh, um, uh, get into a dreamy kind of state mm -hmm. and other things like that. So this is the main danger mm -hmm. uh, of not uh, keeping the students breathing or up. <laughs> a really, really good example of this then is the Zen stick. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of the Zen stick? Who does the Zen master hit? He hits the guys who were not paying attention. Mm -hmm. whether they're in deep sleep or in deep meditation. It doesn't matter. Both of them guys are going to get hit. The guys <laughs> are alert and sharp and know that the Zen master's in the room. They're going to straighten their posture up just a little bit, and he's going to know that. He's going to know who's there and who needs to get hit. Okay, that's an important point. Mm -hmm. Can we be here now? Can mm -hmm. we become alert as if the Zen master was right on the other side of the porch here, and if <laughs> I go to sleep, he's going to come over and wake me up, you know. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Okay, so the thing that, about First Jhana is all about waking up and paying close attention to what's going on. Mostly what's going on on the outside Mm -hmm. And not paying so much attention to what's on the inside, because at that rate, what's going on on the inside is the thoughts and mindfulness mm -hmm. and attention of what's going on on the outside. Mm -hmm. We're not inside, blah, 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 like that. We're on the outside, looking, feeling, touching, rising, mm -hmm. falling. We're in the here now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what the noting is really supposed to be, is the noting of what's going on right here, mm -hmm. right now, not stuck in the whirling brain. Mm -hmm. And so when we practice uh, the Mahasi method that way, we recognize, yes, there's very little difference between the actual practice that needs to be done mm -hmm. and Anapanasati as it's really specified in the suttas. And so getting the mind really fit for work, bringing that juice in, becoming alive, being vibrantly alive, full of hot air. Until <laughs> 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 we exhale. And so this is a difference in the way of, of practice, and the results are a bit different. And I think the problem with it is, again, that it's not so much of the way that it was taught originally mm -hmm. is that is when it's been taught 
to Westerners, it's gone through a set of transitions mm-hmm. that fit into the Western mentality to where practicing Anapanasati is almost upside down <laughs> to the way things would normally function. Mm-hmm. Everybody says, yeah, I should meditate. Let me sit down on the floor and I'll note things for a while and then someday later I'll be happy. <laughs> And that's why they never become happy, is because while they're sitting on the floor, they need to um, to develop the skill, mm-hmm. to take the right effort, to really enjoy yourself right where you are. Have a ball. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I think this was a reactionary movement as well. I think at a certain time, the Vishuddhimaga jhanas, which they want deep jhanas, became very popular. And they had the perspective that uh, even monks couldn't get access to proper jhanas. And they said, oh, lay people don't even have a chance at the jhanas. So let's not try. Let's, let's find a practice that doesn't need jhana and we'll get just the level of concentration we need. And they try to kind of skip over uh, wait, wait a minute, you're really just repeating what the Buddha said in the yeah. first place. <laughs> he was the one who did the jhanas, and he mm-hmm. knew what they were, and he was king of them. <laughs> and he recognized that they were not what he was looking for, mm-hmm. that they were a side trip. Mm-hmm. But then later he investigated and found, oh no, you see, what everyone does automatically like the word money, we think of coinage mm-hmm. and folding money is the same. But if you put all of your money in folding money to make it convenient and your house burns down, your money does too. But if you put all your money in coins, the house will burn down, that coins are still there. Okay, this is an important point. Because it's all money, right? <laughs> now we can talk about it in the sense it's all jhana. <laughs> First jhana is the coins. <laughs> the higher jhanas are the $1, the $5, and the $100 bill. <laughs> and they all burn down equally. <laughs> when we understand it like that, then we'll see, yes, that's that's the way that the Buddha indicated. And he said mm-hmm. this in Sutra. Number 36 in the Majjhima Nikaya. He talks the story about <clears throat> being under the rose apple tree, mm-hmm. where he remembers when he was a teen that he was um, sitting under the rose apple tree and practiced and got into first jhana, mm-hmm. and he recollected how nice it was. So you see, it's been years or, or months, at least um, many months, since he'd been doing jhanas at all because mm-hmm. he was. Uh, doing the um, Nagana, he was doing the austerities. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but generally, when he was practicing jhanas, he was practicing for the higher jhanas, mm-hmm. and they would just zip right through the first jhana. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was it's not inside the house, so most Westerners think it's only the stoop. <laughs> Let me get into the house. I don't want just the stoop. I don't want to live on the porch in nature. I want to be in the house. Okay, so this is the idea that, that people have. And the Buddha recognized, oh no, oh no, the pleasure of first jhana should not, mm-hmm. in fact, be uh, forsaken. Mm-hmm. Why am I afraid of this first jhana? And so he then started practicing using the first jhana to recognize he could get his mind really sharp and focused. By doing so, that's when he began to understand, and this is where that phrase, aha, I see you, Mara. Mm -hmm. It's because when he was in first jhana, what would pull him out of it were these thoughts. And so that's where this practice developed from. Mm -hmm was from the seed of first jhana. So that means that we need to practice getting into this first jhana to the point of number one, that we can control getting into it. We become skilled mm-hmm. at coming into the first jhana. How long it takes is not sure, but the better the skill, probably the easier it is and the quicker it will come. Mm-hmm. And then the second skill that needs to be developed is to sustain that first jhana. 
And this is where wholesome thoughts come in. You see, this is one of the distinction between the first and all of the other jhanas. This is with mm-hmm. the first jhana. You, you still got your ears on. You still got your mind working. The th- darn thing functions. It's sharp. <laughs> it's focused. And, and you can think the kind of thoughts that you want to think. Mm-hmm. And so in Sutta number 19, the Buddha is very specific to talk about that there are two kinds of thoughts, wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. If we can maintain wholesome thoughts, then we can maintain the sukha of first jhana within those wholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. So wholesome thoughts, for example, of, wow, this is so nice. Wow, what a nice day. All those beautiful green colors. I see them. I see that. Okay, and wow, just everything is so nice. Okay, those are the kind of thoughts. Unwholesome thoughts would be, what time is it? <laughs> I got to go someplace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that all of that feeling of uh, future-oriented pulls us out of the joy of the mm-hmm. present moment. And so the whole idea of the noting that Mahasi is talking about is to try to keep us in the first, uh, let us say, in that state that is almost first jhana, mm-hmm. but is missing the pity and the sukha. Mm-hmm. And possibly the reason that it's missing the pity and the sukha is because the hindrances haven't been really cleared out. We're noting them, but we're not tossing them out. We're not throwing them out and becoming secluded from them. Mm-hmm. And so this is also an issue that needs to be addressed directly within the Mahasi system, is yes, note it, but then let it pass. Mm-hmm. That's an old phrase, by the way, note it well and let it pass okay letting it pass means that it's got your shoe print on its butt on the way out (laughs) (laughs) let it go okay let it pass note it well and let it pass with the mahasi method the students get the idea of noting and noting and noting and noting Mm -hmm. and noting noting and noting Mm -hmm. rather than kicking it out so that you can be happy and content and and uh, uh, fit for work in this present moment. And what is the the work? Keep the mind clean enough so that we can stay in this state of joy. So this is the way to practice Anapanasati, and it's got just a few tweaks here and there for the Mahasi method. But these tweaks are the ones that go against the Western mind so strongly. Because the Western mind wants to go in and dig it up and, you know, do all that archaeology and figure things out. But the Buddha's method is, no, see it and throw it out. Keep things clean. You don't have to understand dirty things. You have to only understand them enough to see they're dirty. Mm-hmm. And then out they go. (laughs) And when they're gone, now I can be happy. (laughs) Tuka Naroda. Okay, so um, this is actually kind of a review of the Anapanasati as well as looking at it from the Mahasi point of view. Mm -hmm. the, The big distinctions are that Anapanasati is a natural method and that uh, mm-hmm. 16 stages of Anapanasati within the Mahasi system could also be seen as a natural method, but most people see it as an organized method. Mm-hmm. You do this, and you do that, and then you do the other thing, and then finally you get to step 16. And as you've seen, I pointed out, no, step 16 is the first thing you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we recognize all things are much more complicated than that. But the idea is that to investigate in the sense of the Dhamma, to investigate in the sense of Dukkha. The Dukkha and Dukkha Naroda is, in fact, the whole practice. Mm-hmm. Is this Dukkha or not? Investigate that first noble truth, making mm-hmm. sure that we get quite expert at recognizing Dukkha as well as expert in not touching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not touching it. Get good enough to see it and then let it pass, to go by. 
Okay, when we do, when we see dukkha that way, that means that now we can spend more mind moments, more time in the third noble truth, and so we need to investigate that. Mm-hmm. What is it like to actually be free from suffering? This is it. This is so nice. Wow, I don't have any problems. <laughs> And so this is the way that we would um, work with the Eightfold Noble Path. Mm-hmm. Also to investigate, is this the right effort? Investigate, mm-hmm. how's the sati? Investigate, how's the investigation going? <laughs> <laughs> and so our investigation needs to be fairly deep into the Eightfold Noble Path so that we really do understand, yes, the path is working and that's the, uh, that's mm-hmm. the method of operation, the modus operandi that got us into the Third Noble Truth. And so in that way, we use the Four Noble Truths not just as some arbitrary step 12 on the list of something. Mm-hmm. No, it is basically becomes much part of the path moment by moment. Is mm-hmm. this suffering? Is this not suffering? Is this the path? And so we keep investigating and keep investigating like that. I think I remember there was a suit. It was at, uh, the elephant's footprint that it, as any other footprint of a land animal fits in the footprint of an elephant. So all of the other teachings fit in the footprint of the Four Noble Truths. It was something like this, I remember. Yes, you're right. I hadn't thought about that in years, but right, it does the elephant's footprint because it's bigger and it just fits mm-hmm. over all of the other footprints of any of the other mm-hmm. animals, including the Mahasi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that the footprint of the, uh, the Buddha Dhamma, the Four Noble Truths, is an overall encompassing thing. Mm-hmm. And so by working with the, uh, the Four Noble Truths over and over again like that, in the, in the uh, context of the Anapanasati, which brings the mind into that state of um, capability of seeing what's going on, mm-hmm. that's when we begin to eradicate those deep, uh, uh, ignorant defilements. Mm-hmm. We begin to see personality can change. I am not fixed. We begin to see the world out there, that really is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then we say, wait a minute, what's disgusting is I'm still holding on, on to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that this, this stinky garbage stinks, mm-hmm. it's I've got my nose in it. That's what's <laughs> <laughs> And so by seeing Duke and seeing it disgusting, we want to get rid of it immediately. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, we can come now into a state of joy, back into the first jhana, back into wholesome thought. <laughs> so let's, um, I think that we pretty well covered it. Do you have any questions? Hmm. No, I just had a comment about the Four Noble Truths. I uh-huh. think the Mahasi people think they cover them because uh, so their like overarching teaching, I think, would be the three characteristics or the three perceptions of uh, uh, it was Dukkha, Anatta, and uh, Anicca. And I think they feel that by noting, they see the Dukkha inherent in clinging, in, in clinging to anything and they kind of relinquish it on the spot. So I think that's why they kind of neglect the Four Noble Truths. I think they think they have it covered with the three characteristics or something like that. Just that's just my theory right now. But anyways, yes, but you can see also the value of keeping a hold of the four noble truths of mm-hmm. it repeatedly emphasizing mm-hmm. sati, repeatedly mm-hmm. emphasizing right effort, repeatedly emphasizing uh, right attitude. Mm-hmm. But they don't speak much about that. You're right. They do talk about the trilokana a lot. Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways of saying it, though, is to recognize that the teaching Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta is very much like a road with a fork or a Y, and that we start at the base of the Y, and as we go up, that's Anicca. Mm-hmm. 
and a Nietzsche will either lead to one of two places. <laughs> it will either lead to dukkha or it will lead to anatta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we mean by that is that uh, a Nietzsche that leads to anatta, mm-hmm. if there's no self, then there's no self to suffer, there's no mm-hmm. self to attach, there's no self, there's no problem. Mm-hmm. However, if there is a self, anatta, <laughs> then it's going to wind up being the the vessel for dukkha. Mm-hmm. When you recognize that, you can say, wait a minute, that's just a, a simplified version of Paticca Samupada. Mm-hmm. The, oh, actual, yeah. uh, the deep teachings are, is right there. Mm-hmm. And having wisdom at that point of contact so that we see that what we have, when we when we see something, we make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And what we make of it is what impacts us, not the actual physical mm-hmm. reality that we got in our senses, is what we did with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we did with it then is what contacts us that then makes us, or that gives the arising of feeling. Mm-hmm. The feeling of um, either I like it, or the mm-hmm. feeling I don't like it, or the feeling that has both the liking and not, uh, so it's mixed. Mm-hmm. And we don't quite know what to do with it. But all of that is part of the dukkha. If we don't know what to do with it, or if we like it, then we have to have it, dukkha. Mm-hmm. If we don't like it, we got to get rid of it. That's dukkha. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I think Buddha Dasa talked about the uh, wisdom at the point of contact and uh, feeling. Right. So wisdom at the point of contact, that's mm-hmm. that point at the why. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I'm going to have wisdom, we're going to go in the direction of anatta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're not wise, we're going to follow the old habit patterns of the mm-hmm. mind, which may be one or the other. We don't know which, but as we get older, we tend to keep taking it over to the... Uh, uh, to the dukkha side, <laughs> when we could just as well choose the anatta sukha side. Mm-hmm. We've got that choice, but few people know that they've got that choice. And so by noting, we can begin to note that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that we can continue to take the anatta. Oh, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. You go off and... <laughs> Be unhappy all you want. (laughs) Not going to go there. (laughs) So yes, that Anicca Dukkha Anatta teaching fits right in. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm. Uh, it, It's worthy emphasizing. It's got great value, but it should not completely replace Mm -hmm. the teachings of these skills that need to be developed. You still have to develop the skill of sati, develop mm-hmm. the skill of um, uh, right uh, effort, mm-hmm. and culminating with that skill of right attitude. The right attitude is the most important. <laughs> and yet the Mahasi doesn't talk about it much because they're not talking mm-hmm. enough about the Eightfold Noble Path, and there it mm-hmm. is, right out there on the path. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just simplified for lay people that came on a few retreats just to put in true and okay, let's see how far we can push it. And yeah, it's, I think it's because they didn't have time to discuss with them, and they just wanted to push the technique as far as they could to see if they can kind of trigger an event or something. Yes. Uh, that's, but that's also the attitude of um, uh, uh, the organized method. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has the idea of progress, which means first you do the first grade, and then you do the mm-hmm. second grade, and then you do the third grade, which means if you take a break or a hiatus, when you come back, you come back in the third grade. That doesn't work with the organized, I mean, with the natural method. The natural method is you fall off, you got to start over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine a ladder. 
Big long ladder, 8, 10, 12, 15, 30 rungs, and you get about halfway up that ladder and you fall off the ladder, can you just hop back up to the where you were on that before you fell off? Organized methods don't work like that. <laughs> you got to start over again. And so, uh, willingness to start over again. Mm-hmm. But um, once somebody says, oh, I have declared, I have reached certain, certain place, then now that becomes their own judgment inside their own mind. And when they can't make up to that or uh, reach that bar, they feel bad. And they didn't need to put that bar up anywhere. Nobody's making any progress, not really. <laughs> Nobody's making any progress. There are no bars. The question is, are you enjoying the trip? Not how far you've gone on it. There is an old novel, medieval. Okay. Uh, the name of it is Pilgrim's Progress. Okay. And that the concept that we have with the Pilgrim's Progress is so long as he's making progress, he's a pilgrim. Mm-hmm. When the pilgrim reaches the holy place, when he reaches the shrine, what does he do? Does he continue progressing? Just go to another one and uh, yet another one? <laughs> or does he stop when he reaches the holy shrine? Let's hope that if he's, uh, uh, if he's arrived at the shrine, he's going to stop and stay, right? <laughs> yeah. In that regard, once he's reached it, he is no longer a program and no longer making progress. Mm. He's just a temple boy. <laughs> oh, okay. So what that means is that if we can get ourselves into a state of wholesome, into a whole state, into a state of holiness, when we can get to the shrine, then just enjoy that we're there and stop trying to make more progress. That we don't know that higher John and that higher John and that (laughs) higher John or whatever, that this is good enough right here. That's where the first John really is that it's satisfying it is so nice there's nothing wrong at all with that that state of uh satisfaction that state of pleasure the buddha actually states that why mm-hmm. have i forsaking this so long when i had it all along he had the tools he needed <laughs> and so those tools are actually quite easy for each one of us to get if we're practicing correctly, that Eightfold Noble Path, which is what the Buddha laid out. So I find it kind of amusing that uh, even though it's on the twelve, uh, it's on the twelve step twelve of the sixteen steps of Anapanasati. Generally, they don't even talk, bother teaching it to mm-hmm. the student. Where you can't make hardly any progress at all if you're making progress without <laughs> skill. Once you develop the skills, then you're there. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make any more progress. You just enjoy where you are. <laughs> yes, the Eightfold Noble Path, absolutely important. And yet, they don't teach it possibly because there's just so much to teach. Mm-hmm. we got to make some choices. Okay. No, you know, you need to teach everything. Let the students figure it out for themselves, if if nothing else. But in that regard, um, the organized method has some problems. Mm -hmm. Because the uh, the students, in fact, who were in grade three, they may have a much better understanding of what they're doing if those kids got to go to high school Mm -hmm. and go into the classes and see what's going on and begin to understand, you know, the whole process. Then they might make better third graders (laughs) or they can see what's happening all around. So this is this is also one of the values of the um, natural method. Mm -hmm. And so with that Mahasi method, that 16 stages, if we take it as a natural progression, there's really nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But when we take it as a step by step, you do this. (laughs) you make the next step and then you make the next step 
that's going to make the practice extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Things are coming up out of order, and the students mm-hmm. get confused. Well, there's no order. That's why you're confused. You're trying to make an order out of it, and there's no order to it. Mm-hmm. Things do not come out of order. They come in their own time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking I see a lot of messages on Reddit with the people, oh, I'm stuck in stage number blah, blah, TMI, or I'm stuck, stuck in the whatsoever insight stage. And The answer is no, you're not. <laughs> you're not stuck at all. <laughs> you just think you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't know how to deal with the stuff that's coming up right then and there. That's exactly right. That's what we need to gain the skills for, is to the skills to deal with what's happening right here, right now in the mind. And basically the skill is to throw it out <laughs> and make it something worthwhile thinking about. <sighs> Not a hard practice, easy practice, easy, easy. Well, Catelyn, why don't we bring this thing to a close? I've had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's been useful to you. Yeah, very useful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we can conclude. All we'll right. Been talking for a fair while. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to see you again. Been a while. <laughs> I hope that it doesn't take so long next time you call. Oh no, I'm. Uh, I'll be here at home, and yeah, I'll be more available. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> bye bye. May you have a big drum. A big drum or a big drum? A big drum. Mahasi is uh, Burmese for big drum. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, see you. Bye-bye. Thanks. See ya.